My fellow Americans, are you tired of the new normal? Are you tired of the lies? Election fraud. You know the thing that the mainstream media and big tech says doesn't exist? It is time to end it. We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. Many of you are sitting here because you're wanting to know what the plan is. This has to be peaceful. We have the right to peacefully assemble. The solution has been in front of us all along. Ask God if you should step into the gap and become a part of the plan. The plan is simple. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are the plan. If you're waiting for others to do the work for you, you're going to be waiting a long time. We are Conservative Daily. Hey, welcome back. It's good to be back to Conservative Daily. I'm sorry I've been off for the last couple of days. Um, I guess I do owe everyone an ex, ex, explanation. Explanation. <laughs> trouble with that one. Um, so my aunt passed away, and I put something out that kind of told people, if you're on truth, I put something out on truth. Uh, Facebook, by the way, so you all know, I'll be putting out some stuff on Conservative Daily. They have blocked me again. Uh, for something stupid. I said I was going to go scorched earth, and they said I was inciting violence for saying that. Uh, the term scorched earth means that you're going to uh, perpetuate or push something forward. It is not a violent term. Um, and they did it at the primaries, too. They did it to interfere with my ability to speak during the primaries, and I'm finding they're doing this to other people that are out there that aren't these sanctioned uh, talking heads. Um, but I put something out on Truth Social. My aunt passed away, and... Uh, you know, family is complicated, super, super complicated. We, 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 we never know what's going on in someone else's life or, or what journey they have um, a lot of times until they're gone. And uh, that was certainly the case this time. Um, my Aunt Sandy uh, passed away uh, about a week ago, and so we had the wake and funeral for the last couple of days. And my family is not unlike other families that they, you know, parts of the family uh, at some point just stop talking to each other. And uh, it's typically a death that brings everyone back together. And so this was an especially, um, yeah, I don't want to say it was difficult. It wasn't difficult, but it was just a trying environment where everyone got together and uh, my, uh, you know, my uncle had been married for 52 years. So pretty difficult on him. But she was an amazing woman who was a warrior. And, uh, you know, seeing the amount of people that she touched and the number of people that she helped was, it just reminds me that it's a trait. It's a trait to, to serve unselfishly and to be loyal um, and to fight for what's right. And uh, she certainly did that. So rest in peace, Aunt Sandy. Um, we have a... We have an amazing guest this morning, and I'm sorry that um, I had to do what I did before to tell you guys about that, but I figured I owed you an explanation. Um, oh, man. I can't get this to work. Oh, you're back on with me. I'm back. Um, 
so so kind of a kind of a great morning, right? It is a great morning. And you know, there's a you mentioned your aunt and you know, we we talked about it yesterday. I mentioned that you know, you were out of town uh you know, for someone that you lost. So there were a lot of people praying for you. But there seems to be a lot of warriors in the in the Oldman family, in the in the lineage. But uh you know, our guest today too, he uh Alfredo He's definitely warrior. It's actually part of, Luna. His, part of his moniker, warrior, alpha warrior. Um, Who was not at January 6th. No. And we've waited. We I wanted to have him on a week ago. And then all of this stuff happened in my family. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that you have to take a break and kind of take a step back when things happen. And so I did. Uh, but because I wanted to make sure I was on the show. So let's not waste any more time. Let's bring him on. But And, and I'll let you hear his story. It's amazing. He's being persecuted for... Uh, doing something that he didn't do, um, and this he's ex-law Tweets. enforcement, and and getting persecuted for his service weapon. Yeah, the entire thing is absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's actually inconceivable. Welcome, Alpha to- Warrior. Welcome to the show, brother. Good morning, gents. It's a pleasure to be here. Good morning to the audience, and thanks for everybody giving me this time to share my story. I appreciate it. Yeah, so so tell everyone about you. I mean, obviously, I know that you were on CanCon. You've been on shows pretty much all over the country. Um, and uh, so it's great to have you here. I, I actually didn't, when, when they were telling me your story, I had to go read a bunch of articles and look at a bunch of things. And I'm going, sure as crap. You're literally, it, it's like the... It's like it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even have any sort of bearing on reality, but it's happening. A hundred percent. It's uh, I always tell people when they well, first of all, you know, um, prayers to your family. Um, Thank you. And you know, hang on to the memories. And as as far as you know, I know we wanted to do the show early, and then I always tell people God's timing. Yeah, like it's, it's all it, God's you time. Know, you know today's show the time that i come on you know it's god's timing and it's for a reason maybe one day we understand maybe one day we don't but it's always god timing he doesn't make mistakes you know and i'm a firm believer in that so with my story i always tell people listen if you're hearing my story and at certain parts of it you're just like no like he's holding back something don't feel guilty because if I heard my own story, I would be, <laughs> I would be the same thing. I'd be like, this guy's full of it. All right. Where, where's, where's the other shoe that's going to drop? All right. What, what did he really do? Because it doesn't make sense. You know, if, if we shared my story 10 years ago, we would say, no, this is like Cuba or Iraq or, or something like this is not something that takes place in America, but it did. Uh, so a little bit about me. So it can kind of put into perspective about what happened. Uh, joined the Marine Corps a couple days after 9-11, just like a lot of patriots did. Um, following uh, the Marine Corps, went to I- war in Iraq in 2003. Following my service, I joined the Cathedral City Police Department, which is here in Southern California, um, near Palm Springs. You know, for those that, you know, no one hears about Cathedral City, but everybody knows Palm Springs when I say that. Did my service there um, for about 14 years. Um, so just a little bit about my early service um, towards the end of it. And I'll run through it real fast. Uh, first day off of training, which was in two th- early 2006, I get in my first officer-involved shooting. Um, the night I get off probation, for us, it's 18 months. I get in my second officer-involved shooting. Um, that was 2007. 2011, 
Um, and this is important because this comes into play with the story with the FBI. March 18th of 2011, uh, my partner, Jermaine Gibson, who was also a Marine veteran, Purple Heart recipient, he dies um, during a pursuit. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, 2012, I get into a third shooting. Um, 2012, I get the Medal of Valor. I get a special congressional recognition. 2014, I get an FBI award signed by James Comey. Not happy about the crime. <laughs> Not I'm happy sorry. about the crime. <laughs> no, trust me. It's just like, I want to put like a little sticker over where his name is, you know. Um, is that in the background there? It, it is. It's actually... So, there James you guys go. Kelly, wow. Oh, what wow. an honor. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, maybe I could just, you know, keep the initials JC or something like that. I can live with that one. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 2016, I get a chief's commendation while working undercover, um, get police officer of the year the same year, 2017. Um, I get another chief's commendation for a major operation with the International Crime Syndicate and 2017 get um, investigator of the year. And it's just a, a lot of these different awards and a lot of things that happen. And the reason I share that is because that comes into play later, too. And I want people to understand, because if I heard this story, if you go read in my local media, trust me, they ran my name through the mud. They painted the picture of like the worst cop in the world. And the reason I share those awards is because I know there's a lot of cops first responders, judges, DAs that watch this show. And they know law enforcement. It's their career. It's what they work. And they know when someone's terminated or when someone's fired, there's a certain type of character pattern the majority of the time. And when I lay out, and like I said, that's just a brief description of some of the awards I have, that doesn't fit the molding of the picture that the government's trying to, to put out there. That's why I share it. So now we fast forward to January twenty or January fifteenth of twenty twenty one, and that's when this story happens. Uh, me and my family uh, are awakened by the sound of a loud explosion, and the alarm to my truck's going off. The alarm to our house is going off. Small little home, Adobe style. And the first thing that I think, and this probably saved my life, is because of the loud bang. I thought someone crashed. I thought a drunk crashed into my truck and then my truck hit the garage that's what i'm thinking yeah. happened so i grabbed my phone uh run to the alarm panel and as i'm turning off the alarm to go outside uh, my wife starts screaming at me she's like get away from the door so it's our front door has like adobe textured glass so you can see a little bit through it you know but it's not completely transparent and on the door i see about a dozen red dots i'm like what the because here's what people need to remember i worked undercover there's still homicide cases and attempt homicide cases that are in the court system right now that involve they thought you were going to come out with a gun. They were going to let you put you down. They wanted me to come out with the gun. And, and I'll explain that here. So the phone rings. I answer it. The FBI dispatcher says, hey, this is the FBI. We have your house surrounded. You need to step out. So by this time, so everybody knows this is my son's birthday. This is his 13th birthday, which they know. My stepdaughter, so my son was turning 13 that day. My stepdaughter was 12 that day. She's crying. The family's hysterical. Our two-month-old, thank God, is still asleep. And I tell everybody, listen, it's the cops. I'm sure it's a misunderstanding. These are the good guys. It'll be okay. So I put my AirPod in. I tell the dispatcher, look, I ain't got nothing in my hands. Like, make sure they understand that very clear. I'm talking to you. My phone's in my pocket. I have an AirPod in my ear, and I'm stepping out. So... 
As I step out in my front lawn is an armored vehicle. On top of the armored vehicle, there's a turret. It's manned. There's another what? truck parked in there. What? It's, Co- it's, Come on. I, I'm telling you, you guys have the video of it. You guys I, feel free to interject and show it when you want because I know people are going to be like, no, this is crazy what he's describing. And there's about at least a dozen or a dozen and a half operators in the front of my house, all with their guns trained on me. They give me commands. I step out. They tell me to turn around. I put my hands behind my head. And for the first time in my life, outside of training, I'm hearing that very distinct sound of click, 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 click as the handcuffs go on me and my freedom is taken from me for the first time in my life. No criminal history prior to this. You know, I had a tenant windows ticket back in 2003. That's kind of my Bonnie and Clyde moment. Um, and that's it. You know, like I said, prior to that, I had, you know, decorated a military service and a decorated law enforcement service. I started asking, hey, what's going on? Well, we have a warrant for your for your home. I'm like, okay, let me see the search warrant. So I asked at least a dozen times in about just a matter of a couple minutes. They didn't give it to we'll you. Get it to yeah. They didn't give it to me. So now they go, they sit me on the curve, and I get it's California, you guys, but in January at that hour of the morning, it's still freaking cold. I have to watch my wife, my son, and my stepdaughter ordered out of the house with guns trained on them. Now, I, I've lived this life. I served this kind of you know work, so I'm used to guns and these crazy things that the vast majority of the population would terrify. Well, my family falls into that population. They, they're not military. They're not law enforcement. They're regular people who literally came out to something you see in the movies. And they've done nothing. I did nothing. But they especially, they, know, they don't know this. I mean, I've had a chance to talk to them, and I know how much it's affected their life. But they got this. And for everybody wondering, well, what the hell did you do, Alpha? This is all based off of Twitter tweets. So, so before they, we go on, I actually I do want to play. I, I want to play this. Yeah, this is the this is the video, and you you, you can walk us through it when you're walking through. it. This is the SWAT uh, the videos. I, yeah, I want to. And so, just tell me if you want me to pause it or anything like that. I know there's there's a few points that we want to highlight. Um, and I mean, just just so you guys know, you saw my face when he said this. Like, still when I hear this, it because I was already I, I was on with CanCon. We we went through this. It still blows my mind how over the top they went with this whole situation um especially when you know i'm gonna let you get in after we play this what it was all over because we have that too um but but guys honestly pay attention when you're watching this video this is absolutely crazy so alfredo just tell me if you want me to pause it or you want me to go back or anything and feel free to feel free to narrate So, so for the uh, audio version, there's uh, a truck, SWAT truck that showed up as rails. So people are getting off the side of the vehicle and they're surrounding your home. You can see that. And then yeah, so pretty much whatever, yeah, whatever, what they're doing right now is the, the outer perimeter has already been set. So this is actually going to be the entry team. So these guys all surround the house. So they're going into the backyard. You know, all this has already been, they've already accomplished all the surveillance. So everybody knows where they're going, what windows and entry points to cover. Yeah, the guy that's getting into. Whoops, one sec, Alfredo. I lost your audio. Go ahead. All right. Um, and then, so the vehicle off to the far right, it's a little cut off. It'll, you'll see it here in a minute. Um, that's the one with the turret that's on top of it. In a little while, you're going to see two guys to like the mid right section of, of the video frame 
keep an eye on them and you'll actually see where they launch a mini drone into the sky. That, that, that's, remember, a, we're talking a full FBI SWAT element. We're talking an armored vehicle, an armored truck, um, something that looks like a medevac vehicle, and a drone for someone who has zero criminal history but served the country, served with these guys. I've worked with the FBI. And, and this is for, for tweets. So in a little bit, like I said, you'll see the guy that launches the drone. And then shortly after that, uh, you'll see towards the back of the truck in the middle, they throw a flashbang outside of my son's window in the front of the house. And I'll, and I'll explain after the video why all this is outside of uh, SOP or, or standard operating procedure. Why, why would you throw a flashbang outside of a child's window? They, they knew that was a child's, child's window. They knew that was not your master bedroom. They, they know the entire setup of my home. Um, and for those that are wondering, well, no, no, there's the there flashbang. Flashbang. So now there's the truck alarm going off, the house alarms going off. And then here shortly, you'll see where they're giving me commands uh, to come out and you could stop it. You know, after they, you see me walk towards the truck and people see me get handcuffed, but there, there, there's, so here's the thing for the audience. So, well, how, how do you know this alpha? I ran operations. So I, and, and not small operations. I ran operations with three, 400 cops, multiple SWAT teams, multiple jurisdictions to include operations that went on to, you know, uh, military personnel. You know, I've, I've worked with all these teams, ATF, NCIS. I've, I've, I know these things. I, I worked undercover. I was part of a tactical team. I've done tactical entries. I've done high-risk entries. So I know not only the operation side of this, but I also know the planning and coordination side of this. Outside of narcotics search warrants, and even those are becoming rare these days with no-knock warrants, you don't ever do something like this. This is 99% of the time, this is the way these warrants will take place for something that's non-narcotics related. Now, like I said, narcotics is different because they want to, you know, it's dynamic. You don't want them to destroy evidence. That's not the situation here. So you go and you surround the house, you light it up with all the lights and you make a phone call to the occupants. Because like I said, you've done surveillance for days. We know everything about these homes. We know who lives there, what they look like, their date of birth, where they work, their phone numbers. Like we have all that information. And that's at the local law enforcement level. You can imagine what the FBI has. So what they should have normally done is they call and say, hey, we need you to step out. We have a search warrant for the home. We communicate. And if the people step out, then everything goes as planned. If there's a refusal to step out, then at that point, you know, you get on the PA system. And now you're saying, hey, the occupants of 1234 Elm Street, we have your home surrounded. And the reason you're doing that on a, on a loudspeaker so the neighbors know, hey, listen, we are trying to get these people to come out. We're trying to do this in a safe way. Even when that fails to take place, now you call a negotiator. Negotiator will arrive on the scene. He will try. The point I'm trying to make is there's so many steps that take place to ensure the safety of the occupants and the safety of law enforcement. When it's all said and done and no one's listening, that's when they'll make the determination, hey, you know, we're going to break glass. We're going to throw a flashbang inside the residence because a flashbang on the outside of a residence accomplishes nothing. All that is is a fear tactic, you know, wake up the entire neighborhood. It, it just creates chaos. It doesn't accomplish anything. So why and would they do it? What, what, what would be the concept behind doing that? To get I'm, him to open the door with a gun. 
That's exactly. I, mean, I, I oh. truly believe they wanted you to. They wanted to, to murder you. They they know my history. They know what I'm working. They know that I'm a combat veteran. They know I hear an explosion. What's the likelihood that a veteran hears an explosion? They're going to come running out of out of their house with a gun. And then they would, put you, they would have put you down. So that this is inside the FBI. I want everybody listening to understand what's being said. I want you to understand what's being said. You have to become an ambassador of truth. You have to push this out every single place. Now, there, there's standard operating procedure, and then there's what happened to you. Now, thank God for your wife, by the way. What a smart woman. Get away from the door. That, that woman is on point. You better keep her. <laughs> she absolutely is. A, she's a keeper. She's, I, I, I definitely don't deserve her. She's great. So, so you and you had to you had to gain your faculties, right? Hundred percent. By um, the way, you know, you, I train for this currently. Apollo, do I not? Mm-hmm. I yeah. train. I train for if law enforcement or the FBI comes to my house because they want to persecute me. I train for this in my own home. I mean, and I have to, I have to train against my own government. I, I report to as an HVT high value target to the sheriff's office, make sure that they know they have my phone number, right? So that I can't be swatted. I can't, you know, I, I just make sure that I take care of certain things that make me feel safer, right? My family feels safer because it's not about me, right? But I have to train for it. You did not expect any of this, did you? No, not at all. It was God that kept you safe then, because I tell you what, I would have come. I would have come to the front door with a gun. I'm I telling you right now, this is the part, and this is how I know it's divine intervention. This was God that saved my bacon. We've had probably four, four or five things over the last couple of years prior to this happening, where there was something loud that happened in the backyard or the front yard, or my truck alarm went off, and guess what I came out with my gun this was the only time that i didn't come out the way i did the prior times to make sure i was protecting my family and i'm telling you that is the only explanation behind that is god you know why i grabbed my phone and because at night that's where i would put my duty pistol right there on my nightstand did you grab your gun at all did you have your gun even to start with no and no it was there at my nightstand like it always is you know at nighttime but i didn't grab it i'm telling you I went, I grabbed my phone. I don't even know why I grabbed my phone, but I grabbed my phone. It's God. God's the only way. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well, because you, because, I remember you talking about this and you said like, I thought, a, I thought a car had ran into my truck when you heard the alarm going off. I mean, a flashbang, if anyone's not heard a flashbang, that's not like, you know, you heard a hammer hit something. That's loud. Yeah, hundred percent. It's not like you hear someone like you know the gate wobbling because someone's jumping your fence or, you know, like no, this was a boom. So I'm telling you, my brain—the only thing my brain made sense out of was something crashing into my truck. That's how loud it was. I mean, it shook the house. Yeah. So that—I mean that—and and, and fr- frankly, that, but to throw a flashbang, they wanted to murder you. They showed up that day to murder you. This was designed so I would step out with gun in hand. I'd get full of bullets, and then everybody knows what the headlines would read like, you know, MAGA, PTSD, distraught cop steps out to shoot it out with the FBI and and killed in the process. And who's going to argue it? No one's going to listen to my family. No one's going to look into my history. You know, they're going to read the mainstream media narrative. So 
Do, do you understand how how big of a picture this is? How big of a I mean, this is not a small thing. This is this shows you the innate evil of the FBI. It shows you the innate evil of our government. I call it institutional, ra- or excuse me, institutional slavery. By the way, it's institutional because they they basically can think they can do whatever they want to us. This episode of Conservative Daily is brought to you by DCF Guns. They're not just a supporter and a partner. Of the show, they're an organization that is on the front line of promoting safe and responsible gun ownership. Along with being a staunch defender of the Second Amendment, they have a lot of different things inside of their three ranges and stores. So they have a gunsmith at every location. They have the ability to do massive amounts of training, uh, anything from beginners all the way up to uh, competitive shooting. Um, They're also the best gun store in Colorado. Uh, between a mar- massive arsenal of top-tier firearms, competitive pricing on ammunition, they're a go-to resource for newcomers and expert shooters alike. Memberships there start for as little as $25 a month and offer an arsenal of benefits beyond that, such as store-wide discounts and special access to training. Even better, what you're seeing right now is DCF Guns also has an e-commerce option, meaning you can take advantage of the awesome prices without leaving your home. Just visit dcfguns.co and start browsing. I do want to tell you that as a listener of conservative-daily.com, you get an additional 5% off everything in the store. You have to use discount code Joe. That's J-O-E. That's discount code Joe. Go to dcfguns.co and use discount code Joe. J-O-E. That's me. Or it's coffee, cup of Joe. Um, But you can go there and save an additional 5% off every single thing on the site. Um, as always, we'll keep the range hot and the deals hotter only at DCF Guns in Castle Rock and Colorado Springs and now online, available to everyone across the entire country. What, which one? Are you? Oh, the flashbang. Yeah. yeah. But just it uh, blows my mind that they, they literally just threw it at the front of your house. Zero tactical. No, right below it. your son's bedroom window. Right there. His is the first one you saw where the explosion went off, and that's the window. As a matter of fact, Luckily, there's, you know, we have like little small palm trees and, you know, some plants that are there that absorb some of that percussion because as close as that was, there's a very strong likelihood to blow out that window and blow glass because my son's bed's right there. That would have blew glass all over my son. They, if they, I'm telling you, these are professionals. These, these aren't just, they're not rookies, you guys. These are the elite of the elite. You know, a lot of them former military trained. They're the best of the best. They know where to deploy these things. They know what these things can cause. So, so I, so finally, you know, I'm, I'm telling them, Hey, you know, get my, it's cold. You know, my family's out there in their pajamas. So I'm saying, Hey, clear the living room. You know, we don't have a lot of furniture. Go render it safe and take my family inside, you know, cause that's what we would do. And finally, or maybe an hour, an hour, maybe a little longer than an hour, the sun's up, put it that way. And they finally start taking my family inside and me to the backyard. Well, here's here's something major too. As my family's out there, my wife's pleading with them to go inside to get our two month. Our, our daughter at the time was two months, and they won't let her go inside. What? So you have SWAT operators going through my home, and my two month old daughter is in our in our bedroom in her bassinet, and they will not let my wife to go in there and get her. Listen, it's very easy to go in there, escort her, and when she says, "Hey, I'm going to get the baby," they're going to check around the baby because you know. Unfortunately, people will hide guns under babies. You know, they can very easily check that. And then once they realize there's nothing there, okay, grab your baby, man, wrap her up, go back outside. They didn't. They refuse. To, we're talking oh, while over an hour that our two-month-old daughter's in the house and they won't let us check on her. 
So finally, they take my family inside. They take me to the backyard. I'm still handcuffed. Um, the operator sit me down, and I'm asking, once again, what's this about? Where's the search warrant? We'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. Finally, the two investigating agents show up. So it's FBI Special Agent um, Armenta and Rialto Police Detective Candius, who's assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force with the FBI. So they tell the operators, hey, go and take his handcuffs off. So they take off my handcuffs. We sit down. And Armenta, the FBI agent, opens up a, a black leather bifold. And as he's doing this, I see screen prints of my Twitter. So in my head, I'm just like, you got to be effing kidding me. Are you serious right now? That's what I'm thinking. And as he sees me looking, he goes, well, the reason we're here is, you know, we want to investigate you for your social media being potentially violent. I said, listen, there is nothing in my social media that's potentially violent. I want my attorney. Well, they keep they keep asking questions. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, why the hell did you keep talking to him, Alpha? I still don't know what's going on with my family. I've asked them at this point. I believe about two or three times, hey, can I go check on my family? Not right now, not right now. I don't know if my baby, my wife's been... You're a decorated police officer. You're a decorated veteran. You're an all-American, 100% American. I see the flag behind you, right? 100%. And, and they are... Look, I know what I'd do for my kids. Uh, I'm not even tell you, telling you that I wouldn't keep a special list of people that made my daughter sit in a room where I don't know what's happening to my daughter. I don't know what they're doing to my daughter. I mean, it, and they won't even let you check on your family. The only thing that kept this, you know, my incident, the only thing that kept it going the way it did was the fact of all the things that have been involved in my life. You know, I've operated in chaos for the last 20 years. Right. Because I think the majority of fathers yeah. probably wouldn't have been able to maintain their calmness and, and understandably so. Yeah. And I think that's what they wanted. If they didn't kill me at the front door and then the separation of family and all this, something was going to drive me to get aggressive, say something out of context. And then there they have it. You know, they got their, their hook, line and sinker is what they're looking for. And I'm not stupid. I wasn't going to give it to them. Look, I, I spent... I spent years in the Middle East and Africa working in places that most people wouldn't want to go, uh, helping people, right? And uh, so chaos is what they create because there's opportunity in chaos for them. So you do have to keep your wits up. That's why I said I train on the idea that, you know, sooner or later evil shows up at your front door. You have to be prepared for it, right? And, uh, and I've never done anything wrong, so I have nothing to, nothing to hide. But that doesn't stop them from terrorizing you and your family, Right. So hats off to you for, for being able to, I'd still keep a list. (laughs) 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 Somebody's going to jail. It's not just going to be Kobe. Well, you know, I always say this, and this is no secret. You know, I've, I've said it on, you know, my platform, I've said it on social media is, you know, you, when you look at a Marine, there's no worse enemy, no better friend, you know, and. It, it, it doesn't matter how this is. There's going to be an accountability. There'll be legislation that I'm going to push to get changed. There's going to be people's jobs that need to be fired, people that need to be investigated. The worst thing they did was create this operation to hit my home and not do a complete check on who I was. What they did was they relied on bad actors from my old agency to feed them a narrative. And what they realized, and you'll see as I continue in the story, they realized very quickly 
this is not adding up and this is probably going to backfire on us big time and it's going to so you know we we push on and i tell them listen nothing in my social media is violent i'm still thin blue line i'm law enforcement family you know if the people you know this was before twitter suspended my account you know i had it since 2009 there was probably you know 10,000 15,000 tweets and you can go through there and what is it it's advocating relationships between the community and law enforcement how to have a safe traffic stop how to have a safe you know pedestrian contact you know i get to give people insight that the cops can't really say now because you know they're limited on what they can share on social media i get to bridge that and that's what my social media reflects what they're pissed off with is me saying things like if joe biden wins he's coming after our first amendment if joe and remember this is january 15th of 2021 if joe biden wins he's coming after our second amendment so as we're going through this interview, I tell them, and just so the audience knows, you can FOIA everything I'm telling you. The conversation that I'm telling you took place right now, this is not opinion. This is recorded. This is an FBI recording. So everything I'm saying can be corroborated. So I tell them, I go, you guys are saying that I'm, I'm posting things against the government. I go, I'm literally telling people that if Biden wins, you're coming for our First and Second Amendment. And what are you guys doing here? You're here because of my First Amendment, and you're using a California Red Flags gun law to take away my Second Amendment. You're taking away my firearms. So here's here's the unique thing that I'm going to let everybody know. And it, I'm not trying to terrify people, but this should be terrifying. If you live in a red flag state, pay very close attention to what I'm going to say. Because I worked law enforcement 14 years, and I didn't even know this loophole existed. They knew that they didn't have the criminal probable cause in the search warrant arrest warrant for me and i'm going to get into that so what they did is they went and got a gun violence protective order the day before they filed for the search warrant and now what they did was and this is according to their documents and this is i'm going to explain this later too at least three separate times because we haven't seen we haven't seen the police report and they have the warrant sealed so we've only seen a few pages of the search warrant in the limited information we've seen at least three times they use the term confidential informant um, confidential citizen, confidential informant. At least three times, they the detective writes this, an experienced detective. So they use this confidential informant to say, hey, look, we believe, you know, Alpha Warrior social media is a threat to the inauguration. They were, they go, trying, they, they were going to try and kill you. And then none of that would have made a difference. None of that would have made a difference because you'd been dead. 100%. So they get this red flag gun law. And now they take that red flag gun law, you know, that gun violence protective order, they take that along with the search warrant, they give it to a Riverside County judge. The judge sees it, and now he signs a search warrant. Now, you know, I'm going to forward a couple, you know, probably about almost a year into the story. We find out later from the judge, and this is, all, this is transcripts, you guys, court transcripts, that the threshold for probable cause was so low that even if, and I'm going to talk about exculpatory information, all this stuff that was left out, perjury that was committed, even with all that taken into context, the judge said the fact that they had a gun violence protective order already, he would have signed the search warrant no matter what was in it. So just understand, America, that if they can't find a criminal probable cause way of getting into your home, all they got to say is somebody called, said you're a threat to yourself, a threat to the neighbors, a threat to the community. They get that gun violence protective order. They go before a judge. Now they get to get into your home and search for a crime to arrest you for that that is absolute insanity that that's one of the legislations that i'm going to be pushing to change because it's a violation of our fourth amendment so to bring us back How, to the interview wait, oh, hold on a second they can just say whatever they want that's what they do now they just say whatever they want 
I mean, you well, got bumbling, uh, you know, b- blubbering Biden, right? Antifa Biden. You got him literally getting on last night. Says, I, I know that the inflation's important, but super MAGA. <laughs> 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 I couldn't watch it. I just want you to know, I couldn't watch it. Because it was, it's disgusting. I think there was like eight people on YouTube watching him. <laughs> eight. No, no, no. There were well, a lot. There were a lot of people on there. All of them. All of them were just all caps. FJB. This guy is trash. No one likes you. Everybody. And they were deleting him as fast as the messages were coming up, right? Weren't yeah. they deleting him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a piece well, of trash. And, the, and everybody knows the radical left are pieces of trash. We, we all know. And, and 90% of the country is like, hey, listen. But I believe that they have w- w- woken a bear. I believe that this election they're going to steal at record paces. And I believe what's happening in Brazil is super important because it, we're not a 49.5 and 50.5 world. But everywhere you turn, they tell us we're 50-50. Do, do you believe that? We're a 50-50 country? Not even remotely close. Because they're a bunch of liars, and they have used technology, and they have used social media against us. And now Elon Musk has taken away one of their toys. So, so we have sponsors that have been with us for a long time. This one has definitely been here a long time. This is Air Medcare Network. Today's podcast, again, sponsored by Air Medcare Network. If you live in a rural area that's hard to reach by road, if you travel a lot, if you even drive a lot, even if you don't drive a lot, this is good fire insurance. If you like to hike or spend time outdoors, you want to make sure your family's protected in a medical emergency. If you ever need to be air medically transported with Air Medicare Network, you're covered for as little as $85 a year. Your whole household will be covered in case you ever need to be air medically transported. Uh, simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash daily and use promo code daily and you'll receive up to a $50 Visa gift card when you sign up today. Now, they also have an Amazon card, but we don't do business with Amazon here on this show. So please do not sign up for this and get the $50 Amazon gift card uh, because that is feeding the beast and we don't feed the beast. So get that $50 um, gift card and sign up. You can go up to, I think the five-year membership is like 300 bucks or something. But uh, so it's even less. So it's $85 a year for your whole family. And then as you go up, it, it, it actually reduces. So airmedcarenetwork.com slash daily and use promo code daily. I love it. I just want you to know I love it. it. <laughs> Twitter has been awesome the last four or five days. I'll tell you guys that much. So, so, you know, so can I tell you this really quick? This is a call to Elon Musk. Now, I've, I've put in a call to you. I've talked to other people. Give me my Twitter back. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. I'm the one that brought up Dominion. I was right. I was right. I was right. I was right. And then when I'm done with that, I was right about Coomer, and I was right about all of it. I'm right. <laughs> so give me back my Twitter. <laughs> Damn it. Actually, and uh, Alpha, I've got your, I've got uh, those tweets if you want me to put these up at any point. Yeah, let's put them up. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. You can give me uh, 30 seconds, and I'll all get right. to that right now. Sure, sure, sure. So, so like Joe Biden, I hope your show is shown in all 54 states. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 54? Hold on. I know I'm a Marine, but I can do math. So, so the tweet that they focused on, if you want to bring that up, Apollo, you know, it's dated January 6th of, of 21, and... This, this is the main tweet. There was about three or four tweets that they questioned me on. This is the main tweet um, that they, they brought up. And I'll read it for the people that are just listening. I put, will you fight, bleed, and maybe even die with me as we take on the evil that is now still in our nation? 
I'm a Marine combat veteran, law enforcement veteran of 14 years, and my allegiance is to God, family, and country. I'm ready, are you? Time to patriot the F up. God wins. There's a picture from me in law enforcement, picture from me in Iraq, a screenshot from the movie The Patriot, and then our American flag. Now, like I said, they, the primary focus of their, their interview was around this tweet. So I explained to him, listen, first of all, you can die for your country without ever throwing a, rank, a rock. You know, ask, you know, Tangeman Square, the tank man. You know, look at countries. There's, you, do, you do not have to resort to violence to die for your country. You know, there's, you know, there's, you know. As, as we saw, though, violence begets violence. And they, they did violent things to Americans on January 6th. They, they, ki- they killed Roseanne Boylan. They killed her. They, they attempted to kill others, and they did kill others. So they, they were violent. So you can die for your country, fighting for a redress of grievances. And that's what the January 6th was, was a redress of grievances. You've stolen our, our voice. Yeah, you haven't stolen votes. You haven't stolen an office. You stole our voice. Here's something I'll throw in for January 6th because I wish more people were talking about this. I wish there was more tactical people that have documented expertise that send this. People always say, well, no, that the cops didn't try to create a chaotic environment. Here's one simple fact where I'll tell you there is video proof they did. When we deploy flashbangs, especially in riot control, we deploy them in the area that we want to push people away from. So, for instance, if we have a crowd coming to us, we're going to throw it out in front of them to make them stop and to force them back. Yep. When you throw a flashbang into the middle of a crowd, you just created 360, 360 degrees of angles where everybody's going to go to. So now you are forcing people into the direction of the building because wow. you threw it in the middle. Everybody. So th- the thing is that they really wanted to get that crowd away from the Capitol building. They would have threw those flashbangs against the walls, force everybody away from the wall. I'm telling you, just the deployment of those flashbangs alone tell me they wanted to create chaos and they wanted to force people towards the building. So, so that that has not been talked about. Apollo, we need to mark this in this, and I think this is one of the things that we need to put out there collectively um, for the January 6th prisoners because we talked to a bunch of the January 6th prisoners and the lawyers as well. Uh, we've been working on social media and uh, data points around what they've done in D.C. to make sure these guys don't get a fair trial. Um, yeah, we, nobody's talking about that. Matter of fact, until you said that, it was an it aha moment. To me. Yeah. It didn't occur to me. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of basic things that should have took place before all that kicked off. There was plenty of loudspeakers. You have to give the Riot Control Act before something's deemed a riot. And there's, we read it off a card. You know, this is now, de- you know, deemed an unsafe, right? You know, you read it, you have to disperse. You read it, you read it, you read it. That's all while in advance of flashbangs. Right. And when you when you look at some of the recordings that are out there, they Love don't that. play that riot act until, you know, 20, 30 minutes into this whole evolution. So there, there are so many SOPs that were violated in this process. So to bring it back to my story... You know, they bring up this tweet. Now, once something that my audience had brought up to me that I never even, it never dawned on me, is in the tweet. I never addressed the FBI, the DOJ, the government. I say no. there's an evil taking on our country. And they're like, hey, Alpha, just so you know, they're acknowledging they're the evil by saying that. And it just never, I missed it. And I was like, wow, well, there you go. That's a pretty powerful statement in itself. Now, the way they got this gun violence protective order was they used the January 6th FBI case number. That's what my case is tied into. 
And they used that to say that I was going to disrupt the January 20th inauguration. Now, this is where we start to get into the really shady things, procedures that the FBI did with exculpatory and perjury. So remember, I've been into judges' chambers and had literally hundreds of search warrants signed. Right. You go in there, you hand the document to the judge, the judge looks at it, he reads it. At the end of it, he asks you very specifically, is everything in this warrant true and accurate to the best of your knowledge? You raise your right hand, you say yes, then he signs it and you sign it, and now you have an, a legal enforceable document. Well, the FBI got the warrant signed for my case, I believe it was January 13th or the 12th. It was two or three days before they executed on January 15th. So the day before, or two days before they got that warrant signed, I tweeted out, or I read, I did a quote tweet, um, and I don't know if you have this one, Apollo. This is the one with the red banner on it that has the Statue of Liberty. So the whole basis for their search warrant and the gunman's protective order was that Alfredo Luna was making plans to disrupt the January 20th inauguration because of January 6th. That's their storyline. I did a quote tweet, and you'll see it when Apollo pulls it up, and it reads this. So there was a banner that was going out, and it was on Facebook, it was on Instagram, it was Twitter, it was on all over social media. And what this red banner said, it was a demand for freedom to end corruption, but it was telling Americans to go to the national capital and to go to the state capital armed. But there was nobody on this flyer taking accountability for this you know, event that they're trying to, to coordinate. So me, along with a bunch of other, you know, at the time, just so everybody knows, I was insignificant on Twitter. I had like 600 people following me. It was just me being, sharing my, my, my pride. So I, I quote tweet this, and I, this is what I write. I put, this is a hashtag BLM and a hashtag Antifa trap. Do not attend, share this. And then I put a copy of the flyer. Below that, you'll see that I had retweeted Matt Couch, who also said there are no conservative groups hosting armed rallies at any capital in any state or the U.S. Capitol from January 16th to the 20th. These are false flag events scheduled by the left. Do not attend them. This is a setup. Do not go. So I'm telling people not to go to the national capital, not to go to the state capital. But you have the FBI that wrote in a document that I'm telling people to do these things. But yet there's no tweets. There's no evidence that they could put that shows this. So I knew... Because I asked them, I go, how did you guys get a judge to sign a warrant that I want to disrupt the January 20th inauguration? I go, in a few days ago, I just told people not to do this. Now, it would have been better for them to continue lying and say we never saw that. But they actually acknowledged on audio recording. They go, yeah, we saw that. But you're telling people not to go because of Antifa and BLM. I said, I don't care if I tell people not to go because it's going to be too cold that day. I'm telling them not to go. And you just swore under oath to a judge telling people that I'm telling people to go. So I knew they left that tweet out. I would have betted my life that they left that tweet out. So here's the thing. Aside from being unethical and immoral, immoral, there's case law that says you have to provide everything to a judge when it comes to a search warrant. Because essentially, you're taking someone's Fourth Amendment rights away. Right. So that was the first thing I knew they didn't do. <sighs> so now I'll, I'll kind of advance into the interview. They asked me two questions. I've done thousands. I've been part of thousands of interviews. These two questions you're about to hear. Remember, you guys, this is recorded. <laughs> I'm not making this up because I know the audience is going to be like, all right, he's gone too far. He's lying about this one. These two questions I've never asked anybody in my career. The first question they asked me is, what party are you registered with? I said Republican. The second question they asked me is, and who did you vote for for president? I said what? Donald Trump. 
Come on. <laughs> it's recorded, man. So here's the thing. One, it's none of their business. And I would have been well within my rights to tell them, go pound sand. It's none of your business. But I'm proud of, you know, who I voted for. I'm, to this day, I'm still, I'll vote for him again. But you might this, get a chance. In two years, you might get a chance to vote for him again. There you go. Okay. So, so tell me, what lawyer stepped in the gap to help you with this? I mean, you have a lawyer right now. I, have, I do have an attorney. So, Who, by the way, probably attorney. told you not to talk. And you're like, <laughs> like me. I'm like, well, what? Not talk. Well, Get out of here. For the first couple of months, you know, they, they had the reins on me. And they're like, you know, I know you want to go out and say the truth. Because they know the way I am. I'm a, I'm a, I stand on principle. Like, whatever. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to stand on principle. And they're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let us do their thing. Well, at this point, now you're seeing hundreds of people being arrested across the country. They're seeing the narrative that's out there. And they're seeing that they're not... And there's a, I'm going to get into some more things that happen that people are going to be like, this is crazy. Once my attorneys realized, okay, this is designed that no matter what we do, it's designed for you to end up guilty. Like, that's what it's designed for. We took on the, the plan that we're going to lose this. We got to set everything up for appeal. And we got to set everything up for what they can't win. And that's the court of public opinion. Right. So, and so I want to say it was around May or June of 21 when they finally gave me the green light and they said, Whoever's willing to listen, go talk. And plus, they know that I'm not a dumb cat. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. You know, I know how to say things to make sure they don't get taken out of context. Mm -hmm. Because I would advise the majority of, you know, I would advise 99.9% .9 of everybody else, law enforcement comes to your door, the only word that should come out of your mouth is lawyer. You know, what's your name? Lawyer. What'd you do yesterday? Lawyer. You know, th that's it. You don't say anything to them. So... I tell them this. Now, here's the next thing that shows the mindset of Joint Terrorism Task Force Detective Candius. And this, like I said, I always tell people, unfortunately, fortunately, because because of my, my expertise, the field that I worked in, I'm able to see things that most of the people that this is happening to, because I'm not the only one, they probably wouldn't catch these things, and I'm able to expose them. So Candius tells me, he goes, well, the only reason... He goes, you just know how to tweet. You know how to tweet without getting in trouble. Now, like I said, this is recorded. So here, you know how to tweet is, without getting You flashbang my house. Here, here's why that statement is one of the most important statements in my case. When we go before a judge, we're articulating that we have reasonable belief that a crime was committed. Here's the probable cause. When he made that statement, he acknowledged that he knew my tweets didn't fall under, you know, Penal Code 422 terrorist threats. He knew they didn't violate any laws. They didn't even violate Twitter's policies because Twitter still had them up there. By him making that statement, that's him acknowledging he committed perjury to a judge because he went before a judge a few days before that and said he's created tweets that we think are criminal. We think that he's planning to do this. And there he's telling me on an audio recording, yeah, I know that you know how to tweet without violating the statutes or the elements of the crime of 422. That's a big deal. So now as we keep going, and like, and just so everybody knows, they still haven't shown me the warrant at this time. You know, because I've asked for it. You'll hear in the recording. I'm asking, where's the, oh, we're going to get it to you. We're going to get it to you. Because they're taking all my electronics. They told me they're taking all my guns. And I still don't know what's going on with my family. So now as I'll get to the end of this interview to cover some other things that are really important. I ask them, I go, so what do you guys want from me? You want me to delete my social media? Like, I don't want my family going through this again. And they say, well, no, no, no. This We think you're a good guy. You know, 
this is your chance to stop tweeting against the government and take the off-ramp. And they said it about three times. You know, you take the off-ramp, take the... So in other words, self-censor yourself. Don't redress anything that you feel against the government and you'll get left alone. Well, I'm not built that way. As a matter of fact, when you tell me that I can't use my freedom of speech, I'm going to go grab a megaphone and I'm going to be louder. You know, you're not going to... My friends have died fighting and been hurt fighting for this country just like I have. You're not going to take away my freedom of speech. It's not going to happen. So now they leave and they take all my guns and I end up learning. And this is important. So my stepdaughter was in her room being um, babysitted by one of the operators. Now, the front of my house, when you execute a search warrant, 99% of the time you go from the front of the home, you work your way back. So my truck in the driveway, destroyed. My garage, destroyed. And like I said, I'm a Marine. I have OCD. Like everything is in its place. My son's room on his birthday, because it's the first room of the house, destroyed. Now, at that point, you get to the hallway where it's my stepdaughter's room and then the living room. Well, she says that the entire search team stops in the hallway because the wards that are behind me now, they used to be in our hallway. The whole team stops there, and a guy asks who she refers to as the bald guy. And if I remember correctly, I think it was the team leader. But the guy asked the bald guy, he goes, hey, are we arresting this guy? And he goes, no, man, I think this is one of the good guys. Now, what's interesting is the rest, the second half of my home, completely treated with respect. So my bedroom, where all my firearms are stored, the one that you would have thought is completely turned upside down, all the clothes folded back, you know, my cases that have my guns put away, like everything treated with respect the remainder of my home. So what that tells me, because if you look at my home, you cut it in half, it looks like two different search teams hit the house, but it, it didn't happen that way. That tells me at, you know, 3 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, when they had their briefing to go execute this search warrant on me, these two agents told the FBI operators that I was probably crazy, domestic. They literally put the fear of God in these guys' minds that they were really going to go to the home of someone who wants to overtake the government. That's what these men were thinking. Well, what they realized after their contact with me, the contact with my family, going through my house and seeing the things on the wall, they realized this doesn't add up. And it shifted their behavior. Because remember, this is January 15th. You know, we don't know everything Shame. that we know now. Shame set in. Shame 100%. set in. I mean, 100%. That, that, that's what happened when shame sets in. Shame, shame is, a, is, a, is a very powerful thing, right? And, but, but that, and that's what happens when shame sets in. Shame is the point at which you look back at what you did over your shoulder and you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't continue to do this, right? And, and hopefully people from that team will join these whistleblowers in the FBI and come forward. I, I really pray that that happens. So that wraps up the 15th. They didn't arrest me that day. So five days later on inauguration day, not in the morning, because remember, they think that I'm going to disrupt inauguration. So you think they would have arrested me in the morning. In the evening while I'm working at the school district is when they come and they end up making the arrest. So as I, I meet with these guys in the gas station, because one of my other partners who used to work law enforcement, he's like, hey, man, there's some undercover cars and all these things. <laughs> so obviously some people are looking for you. So I'm like, OK, so we make contact. We go over there. The Palm Springs police officers and all these guys I've worked with, these were an Navy agency. They're like, hey, man, you know what this is about? I'm like, yeah, it's about my social media there at my house a couple of days ago. And they're like, no, it's about an assault weapon. I go, no, no, no. I go, it's about my social media. We actually talked already a couple of days ago. Like, no, it's a warrant for an assault weapon. So at this time, here comes those two agents again, you know, uh, Armenta from the FBI and Candias. These are out of the Washington, uh, D.C. field office, correct? 
So yeah, so Armenta here's Armenta. I saw. I had to. I want to. Armenta has a connection that people are going to be like, oh, I see what's going on here. So they tell me, hey, we have an arrest warrant for California Penal Code three zero six zero five, which is possession of an assault weapon. So I'm like, what assault weapon? It's my patrol rifle. So I want everybody to know, my patrol rifle that I had in service for ten plus years that the Cathedral City Agency has paperwork on, the Department of Justice has paperwork on. Thank God I still have my copy of the paperwork on. This is what they're arresting me for. Like I said, we haven't seen the police report, so we don't know what angle they're taking. But they arrest me. So I'm like, okay, well, what's the bail? Because in my head, I'm thinking the bail should be about thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars because I've made these arrests before. Oh, they no. tell me quarter of a million dollars. So I go, what are the other charges? They go, this is the only charge. Well, then I knew that means that they did, they did what's called a bail enhancement form. To this date, they won't release it to us. A bail enhancement form is something we use in the most extreme cases, typically like domestic violence or like contracts for hire, like for death or for murder. It, you're basically telling the judge, hey, if this person bails out, somebody's going to die. Like that, that's, that's how significant these are. Well, they completed one on me and a judge signed it for a quarter of a million dollars. So now they go to transport me. So to, to get to what Joe's talking about. So FBI Special Agent Armenta, why he's significant? Because Alpha's just some little guy in Southern California. I'm insignificant. And when I get to August 4th, you're going to find out why he's important. Armenta is the FBI agent that is responsible for handling Capitol Police Officer, the Fanone case, the investigation that resulted on him being, you know, alleged tasing. I think it's come to a plea agreement, but nonetheless... The FBI agent that handling my case is the same one handling Fanon case. The Time Life poster child, the face of January 6th, that who, that's who Armenta is, the FBI agent handling my case. I'm going to actually, I'm going to disclose something here that I've never disclosed before because I only found out a few days ago. And there's still some vetting that needs to take place here. I want the audience to understand that. Somebody reached out to me that knows him personally and is aware of some of his early law enforcement behavior. And they're like, I want to get with you and I'm willing to come out and speak because there's things people need to know about him that result in corruption, him coming after people that within the community to close down people's businesses. They're like, who he is needs to be exposed. Hey, now, listen, I, by the way, will be the one to put it out on my, on my deal, first thing, right? And we have the ability to shadow them if you want me to shadow them or not shadow them. So I will I will push it out. The, I promise you all six and a half million people that watch us will watch that show. Outstanding. And, and I'll yeah. leave it up to them, you know, the security measures that they want to take. You know, they can communicate with you guys. And, and, do, and that's a result for, so people know why these shows are so important. That was somebody who was watching a show that I was doing like this one. I said, hey, I know this guy. I know what's going on. And decided I got courage to and wanted to come forward. That's it for part one of this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. Part two is coming up next, and you don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. God bless America.